Well, this morning, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. Uh, since the beginning of December, we've been uh, going through the life of Jesus. We've been going through the chronological order of the life of Jesus. And so we're going to continue on that uh, this morning. And as we continue on that, we're going to be looking at how Jesus began gathering up his disciples. And so uh, a couple of Sundays ago, we looked at the fact that Jesus was baptized. Right after Jesus was baptized, uh, he went out into the wilderness for those 40 days and he fasted and Satan came upon him and uh, began tempting him. He overcame that temptation. And so this morning, as we look at and continue to look in that chronological order what happened next well Jesus came back Jesus came back to where John was baptizing at the Jordan River out there in the wilderness and what Jesus began to do is Jesus began to gather up for himself disciples began to gather up for himself uh, those who were devoted to following him his disciples his ambassadors his army if you will amen Jesus knew that his ministry upon this earth was going to be short in fact it was only three years after this this point and so after that three years he needed his army to step up to the plate and to do the work that, that that he's called them to do that he's going to spend these three years to equip them to do to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations because that's what he told them that they needed to do to go out and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and make disciples of all nations and so as we see this as Jesus is beginning to gather up these disciples we find starting with John the Baptist, back to John the Baptist here in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. Now, something I want you to understand about John, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more in a chronological order, John in the Gospel of John, he's not worried about chronology, right? He's, about, he's more concerned about the flow of the message, amen? So not so much worried about the chronology, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more interested in, uh, well, they're interested in the message, absolutely, but they keep more to the uh, chronology there. Uh, but as we look here in John, we look in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29, we read here uh, in the Word of God, the Bible says, the next day he, being John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now realize the baptism of Jesus is already taken place. John had already baptized him. John already saw the Holy Spirit of God descend down upon him as a dove. In fact, John is going to mention that in just a minute, but now Jesus is coming back from his 40 days of fasting, and John sees him once again, and as he sees him, he calls him out. He says, Behold, I, I want everybody to see this, right? I want everybody to know who he is. Behold, the Lamb of God. I believe he He's probably pointing at him, right? Just pointing straight at him. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He might have been in the middle of a sermon. I don't know. He might have, might have been in the middle of a baptism. He was up there in some form or fashion, and people were paying attention to him. But all of a sudden, he just stopped dead in his tracks and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins.
sins of the world. As we continue in verse 30, he said, This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man that has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now remember when we looked at the baptism of Jesus, John was saying this right before Jesus was going to be baptized, right? This was the message John was giving. And he said, This is the one I'm talking about, right? This is him. Again, he's probably still pointing at him. This is the very one that I was talking about. He is greater than I am. Verse 31, I did not recognize him, but so that it might be manifest to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testifying, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. He remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit descending and remain upon him this is the one who baptizes in the holy spirit i myself have seen and have testified that this is the son of god now it's interesting what john's saying now john no doubt knew who jesus was right they were cousins they were second cousins now they lived a distance apart but no doubt they knew who he was miss mary's got quite a few uh, quite a lot of family here this this morning and they came and they uh they're here to support her and so no doubt they know who she is and she knows who they are right and so as we look at this and begin to recognize no doubt John knew who Jesus was he knew the story of his mother how Mary came and uh, came to Elizabeth John's mother and how uh, that uh, took place and how John left even while he was in his mother's womb again there there's one of the greatest uh, uh, sanctity of life messages right there while he was in his mother's womb he left at the presence of Jesus and he was full of the spirit while even in his mother's womb and so that took place and so no doubt John knew that but maybe he wasn't so sure that Jesus was going to be the Messiah but he said the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that to be looking out for the one who the spirit of God is going to descend down upon and stay right and stay up on him now who was that that was the father no doubt amen that was God the father John the Baptist this being the prophet heard a voice of God saying go out into the wilderness and baptize with water and sooner or later there's going to come one and you're going to baptize him and the Holy Spirit is going to come down upon him and descend down upon him and stay and so you know what he heard the word of God he heard the voice of God and John is here now testifying and he's the one right he is the one I have saw him I know him I know know what God said I know the words of God and you know as we understand this we need to know the word of God when we're pointing people to Jesus and that's what we need to be doing is we need to be pointing people every single day every single moment every single second to the person of Jesus Christ but friends we need to know the word of God right John knew the word of God and since John knew the word of God John knew that he was the one there is no if ands or buts about it he is the one just as God said it was going to be it was and so he is the one no doubt in his mind whatsoever and we need to know the word of God I hear people say sometimes I've even heard pastors say sometimes that you don't really need to know the Bible that well to be a witness and that you know you really don't need to know the Bible that well to be a witness but friends you need to know the Bible 
Amen? You need to know the Bible. You need to know the Word of God. You need to be solid in it. It needs to be your firm conviction. He truly is the one. Amen. He truly is the one. And so as you're there pointing out Jesus to others, they're going to see that conviction in you. They're going to hear that conviction in you. And they're going to know that you're not iffy about it, but you mean business. You know that you know that you know. He truly is the one. Amen. He truly is the one. And so as we see this, what was John doing? John was sharing his testimony. Amen? That wasn't a salvation testimony on John's part, but as we look at this, it was a testimony nonetheless. And you know, one of the greatest ways, again, we do need to know our Bibles. Amen? We need to know the Word of God. And by the way, there's not an excuse from a single one of you here today of not knowing your Bible. In fact, some of us have been sitting in church so long under Sunday school and under, under the preaching of God's Word and under Bible study and discipleship training and who knows what, uh, what else, other kinds of forms that we've been hearing you had so many hours of hearing the word of God preached to you you ought to have multiple PhDs by now amen amen so we have no excuse for not knowing the word of God we ought to know the word of God we ought to be reading and studying the word of God on our own as well and so when we look at this here it was that John was sharing his testimony and you know I may not know your testimony you may not know my testimony we may not know what God did in other people's life but I know what God did in my life and I can share my testimony and I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt he truly is the one he is the lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world God's word did come to fulfillment within my life and I can share what God did within my life and share the power of my testimony you know when we look at a testimony people often think well you know that person's got a powerful testimony and maybe God delivered them from drugs maybe God you know I've heard of people that was right on the brink of committing suicide and God saved them right before they were about to do that and say well all of those are powerful testimonies let me tell you another power testimony you know this isn't my testimony but it's a powerful testimony my mom and dad brought me to the church when I was uh, nine months before I was born amen my mom and dad started bringing me to the church I went to church every Sunday every Sunday evening every Wednesday I had a drug problem as a child and that drug problem is I was drugged to church every time the doors were open amen and maybe about the uh, the age of seven eight nine ten I don't know who, who knows it's different for individuals but I was raised up in the church brought there all of my life and then one day the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart and I knew that I needed to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so I came and and by faith accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior friend that is a powerful testimony Amen, that is a powerful testimony. You know what that's saying? That child came to a place where they said, I'm no longer depending upon mama's faith. I'm no longer depending upon daddy's faith. I'm no longer depending upon granny's faith or whoever else it was. I now have faith in Jesus Christ all on my own. And that testimony, it doesn't matter what that testimony is, is I was here. It doesn't matter where here was, I was here Then I came to faith in Jesus Christ, and now I'm here. Amen? And so regardless of where here is, coming to faith in Jesus Christ that has brought you here is powerful. 
Amen? And you have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, that means you're not saved and you need to get saved. You need to get saved so your eternal home can be bound for glory. But you need to also get saved where you can have that testimony of look what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Amen? And so there it was that John shared his testimony. And friends, as we look and understand about a testimony, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 uh, tells us this. It says, And they overcame him. Who was him? Him was Satan. He was the red dragon there in Revelation chapter 12. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the, the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when faced with death so because of first and foremost the blood of the lamb amen regardless of where over here was when you started off when you came to faith in jesus christ regardless of where you were over here it's because of the blood of the lamb and now that i'm over here i have a testimony look what the lord has done Amen. Look what God has done. Look how Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to give me everlasting life. And I came to faith in Jesus Christ, and now I'm here. I'm no longer over there. Even as just a child sitting in a pew. Amen. I'm no longer over there. Now I'm over here because of right here, the cross of Calvary. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so there it was that John said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the only one that you need to know. It, John will say, You don't need to hear me anymore. You don't need to know me anymore. I'm no longer of any relevance. I did my job. Here's the one that you need to start looking at. His name is Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. And so now as we continue on in this, he shared his testimony. He said again there in verse 34, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. No doubt in his mind whatsoever, this is the Son of God. Listen, if Jesus has done a work in your life, you know. Amen? You know. You can't tell me Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Amen? Jesus is the King of kings. You can't tell me that God has entered your life and you don't know about it. Amen? Something's wrong with that. I mean, just think about that for about a half a second. Something is seriously wrong with that. Amen? As we begin to realize and recognize that very truth. So as we begin to understand, as we begin to recognize this truth, John shared his testimony. Not only did John share his testimony, John also pointed people to Jesus in their everyday, in his everyday walk, in his everyday life. Now it's interesting, as we look at this, we look here in verse 35, it says again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. That's interesting. The Bible says he was standing there. It doesn't tell us exactly what he was doing. Just standing there. Right? Just, just hanging out. Right? Just standing there, hanging out. Not, not really uh, specifically named as doing anything out. Just hanging out with two of his disciples. Maybe he was asking a couple of his disciples, hey, y'all know where I can get some good locusts and honey or something like that? You know, we don't really know what they were doing, but they were just, he was just standing there 
is what the Bible said, just hanging out. And as he was just standing there, we see in the very next verse, in uh, verse 36, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, this is day two of him saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. We see, what does it say there in verse 29? The next day he saw Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And then we see in verse 35, again, the next day John was standing with his two disciples and he looked at Jesus as he was walking and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. I believe every time John saw Jesus, he said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. I believe that was a part of his every Every day, life, every time he saw Jesus, every time he had an opportunity, he was going to point people, look, there's the Lamb of God. He might have been in mint sentence. He, he might have been right in the middle of talking about uh, whatever. You know, who knows? Isn't this a pretty day? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. And every single day, this was his life. Friends, we need to make this a part of our everyday life, every day, every single day of our life, pointing Jesus out to people, right? What, whatever I was just talking about, five minutes later, he might have said, well, what was I talking about, by the way? Oh, it's not important. I told you about Jesus. That's all that's important. Amen. That's all that's important right there is I told you about Jesus. I pointed Jesus out to you. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And friends, that's what we need to be busy about doing is telling people about Jesus. You know, we need to get people's minds off of themselves. We need to get our minds off of ourselves. We need to get people's minds and our minds off of all of the burdensome stuff of this world and we need to get them focused on Jesus. You know why? He's the solution to all. Amen? He is the solution to all. Every single trouble, trial, heartache, whatever it is, He is the answer. And we need to continually, every single day, point people to the person of Jesus Christ. You know, when our girls were little, we used to go up to the Smoky Mountains every year. And that was our yearly uh, vacation. We'd go up there. And one of my favorite places to go was Cage Cove. But one of the things I hated about Cage Cove, it was so crowded. Amen. And it was a lot more crowded now than it was then, but it was crowded then too. But I'd love it. I enjoyed going there, but boy, it would get so crowded. But I figured out a trick. Amen? I figured out a trick. Now, I don't know, this might be sinful. Maybe I've got some confessing to do. But anyway, I, I, I did it anyway. We'd be driving down the road, and you know everybody. You know what everybody's looking for? Everybody's looking for a bear. Right? Everybody's looking for a bear. So we'd be driving down that road, down that loop, and all of a sudden, you know, we'd just kind of stop. We'd pull over a little bit. And you know what I'd do? I'd just start kind of pointing. Right? There's nothing there, but I'd start pointing, and all of a sudden all the cars would pull over, and all the cars would go to the side, and then me and Dad would just take off with the kids, amen? And we'd have the road all to ourselves all of a sudden. But you know what happens whenever anybody sees a bear over there? They lose focus of everything else. They even lose focus of their common sense sometimes, amen? And they lose focus of everything. 
and they're focused on that bear. And that's what we need to be doing is pointing people to Jesus. Amen? Pointing people to Jesus. There he is. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Listen, if we're going to raise up an army, our everyday focus needs to be on the person of Jesus Christ. If we're going to raise up an army, we need to be sharing the testimony of Jesus Christ. Look what the Lord has done. But also, John wasn't interested in people following him. He wasn't at all interested in people following him. It's interesting that there it was that his two disciples, there were John's disciples, the Bible says his disciples. These two disciples that were standing there with John doing whatever it was that they were doing in the second day in a row. Maybe he said it many times, but the Bible records this is the second day in a row that he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And then verse 37 says, The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Amen? That's what it's all about. It's all about following Jesus. Jesus Christ. Here was these two disciples. They were disciples of John. The Bible makes that extraordinarily clear. He says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They saw who that was and they started following Him. They started following the person of Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 38, it says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translates means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. So they stayed with him all day long, all day long. They didn't know as their entire life was going to be dedicated to following Jesus. Even after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the rest of their life was going to be dedicated to following the person of Jesus Christ. Not long after this, John the Baptist was beheaded. He, he didn't have any disciples anymore. Matter of fact, while he was in prison, some of his disciples came up and said, Hey, John, you know, nobody's really following you anymore. They're all following Jesus. And John says that, that you know, that's perfectly fine. Uh, in John 30, uh, 3 and verse 30, he must increase and I must decrease. I'm about to die and I'm going to stay dead, by the way. And people don't need to follow me anymore. They need to follow Jesus. All too often, we're worried about getting people on our plan. We're worried about people getting on our program. We're worried about people following the things that we, we, we deem as being important. But friends, Jesus is the only one that is important. Amen? He's the only one that is important. As a pastor, if I'm interested in people following me as a pastor, then guess what? I am failing as my job as a pastor because they need to be following Jesus Christ is a church. If all we're interested in is people coming to our church and attending our church and being there and say, oh, wow, look how many people we have at Mill Creek Baptist Church. We are failing as a church. They need to be following Jesus Christ. Friends, I want our pews, I want our chairs to be full. I want us to be full from front to back. Let's knock out the walls again. Amen. Uh, let, let's expand this. But I want every single person that's here to be a follower of Jesus Christ, not an attendant of Mill Creek Baptist Church. Amen? 
Because if all we have is the tenders, what do we have? We don't really have much of anything. Amen? We don't really have much of anything. We need to be followers of the person of Jesus Christ. Friends, if we're going to raise up an army, we need to be intentional about pointing people to Jesus and not pointing people to us. Amen? Do we invite people to church? Absolutely. Invite them to church. At church, they're going to hear the gospel, right? They're going to have opportunities to have a relationship with other people that are going to individually share the gospel by all means, but we don't want them to continue to be a church attender. We want them to get saved where they're a follower of Jesus Christ in their everyday life. Friends, we need to understand something. It is non optional for us as Christians to be a witness for Jesus. It's not optional. In fact, the Bible is not just clear about that fact, and I could stay here a long time. Matter of fact, I wrote a book about it. It's called How Beautiful Are the Feet, and that's really what basically the whole book is about, that we are, every single one of us, called to be uh, witnesses of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus made it very clear you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be. You're going to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, you could have the Spirit and not be full of the Spirit, not be walking in the Spirit and be a Christian and not being faithful and not sharing, but when you're full of the Spirit, guess what? Is there a sign of whether or not somebody's full of the Spirit of God? You better believe it. Jesus is going to keep coming out of their mouth. Amen? Jesus is going to be testified about. He is going to be shared. You shall be my witnesses. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you. What is the hope that is in you? Who is the hope that is in you? His name is Jesus. Friends, this is not optional. Amen? Not optional. So as we point people to Jesus, Jesus was raising up an army. As Jesus raised up this army, the Bible goes on in verse 40 and says, One of those who heard John speak and followed him it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have heard the Messiah. Now he went from being a rabbi to the Messiah, he spent a day with him. Now he's no longer just a rabbi, just a teacher. Oh, he's the Messiah. We have no doubt. We found him. He is the Messiah. Peter, you need to come and see him. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of, uh, the, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Now, what's so interesting about this? We don't know who the other disciple was. We can guess, but without a shadow of a doubt, one of them was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. So, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. First day. Then he also says, 
God told me this is who he's going to be. God's word came to fulfillment. I have no doubt he is the Son of God. No doubt. Second day, behold the Son of God, or the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world. His two disciples that were standing with him stopped following John, started following Jesus. One of them was Andrew. Andrew says, hey, I can't keep this information to myself. I'm going to have to go tell my brother. So he goes and gets his brother Peter. His brother Peter comes. He starts following Jesus, and guess what? Three years later, all of a sudden, Peter's standing up on the day of Pentecost and he is preaching the gospel of the resurrected Christ. 3,000 souls come to Jesus upon that day. And then after that, the gospel continues to spread. Then Peter goes to Cornelius' house, who's Cornelius the Gentile. And so for the very first time, the Gentile hears the good news and he and his whole household get saved. And we as Gentiles need to be thankful for that. See, when we start sharing Jesus, it becomes contagious. <laughs> it ought to be. You know, the sad reality is the great majority of Christians never, ever, ever, ever share Jesus. Never. The great majority. Matter of fact, I went Friday and got to hear the director of the Caskey Center of Church Excellence speak. Southern Baptist organization, and he told a statistic that just blew the socks right off my feet and broke my heart. Every year, Southern Baptist churches, they, they gather up called the Annual Church Profile, or ACP for short. How many's coming? How many's in Sunday school? How many did you baptize? All kinds of questions. Last year, in the Southern Baptist Convention, out of half of the churches that reported, half, 40,000 Southern Baptist churches, by the way, half of them did not report one single baptism. Southern Baptists <laughs> did not baptize one person. So as Baptists, you know, we first and foremost want to see people get saved. Then what do we do? We baptize them. Amen? And half of those churches didn't report one single baptism. That's heartbreaking. That means the gospel is not being shared. The gospel is not being shared. We're blessed to have seen quite a few baptisms recently, and that's, that's a joy, it's a blessing. But oh, how God would thrill your heart. You is used as a tool to lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you sit out here one day and you see them get baptized because they put their faith in Jesus. Oh, you'd be so lit up. 
and they'd get contagious then. Amen? And you want to go tell the world about Jesus. And I know it's intimidating. I know it's not, and I know not everybody wants to hear it. In fact, we're in a world today where most people don't. And families are the hardest. I know. Amen? I know. Trust me, I know. But there is no plan B. For us not to share the gospel is no different from us telling them, whoever they may be, you could just go to hell. It's no different. Absolutely no different. We are plan A. We as the church, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we're plan A. And there is no plan B. We need to be out there every day sharing the gospel. As the praise team makes their way up, listen, the Bible tells us that only a few is going to walk down that narrow path and enter through that narrow gate. Those are the saved. And the majority are going to walk down that broad path and enter in through that wide gate. You know what that means? There's more lost people than there are saved people. So you know what that means? It's not difficult to find a lost person to share the gospel with. Because we're outnumbered. Amen? It's not a difficult test. It's an easy test. Not always easy to do, but it's easy to find a lost person. You start with prayer as you stand this morning. God just starts to stir in your heart. This morning as God stirs on your heart, would you ask God, God, would you show me somebody that is lost? Just put them in my heart. Put them in my mind. Maybe you already know who that person is. Would you pray this morning, start off right here, God, would you give me the boldness, the boldness to go out and share the gospel with that person. They're lost, they're dying, and they're going to hell. You don't want them there, I don't want them there. I've got a message that you've given to me, it's your message. God, would you give me the boldness to go share with them? Would you do that this morning?